This is How We See It, a look at issues that impact our faith and community. For the next few minutes, we'll explore topics with people who are making a difference in our world. Welcome to this edition of How We See It. I'm John Morris. Recovery efforts are continuing in the Fort Myers and Diocese of Venice area in the wake of Hurricane Ian. The people of the Diocese of St. Petersburg continue to respond generously with donations. Our own Katie Camario went south on Tuesday, and I talked to her about her experience. Here's part of that conversation. Hey, so uh, what are you seeing? Well, right now I see a line of cars that just goes all around across the street. These are folks who have been impacted by the devastation of Hurricane Ian. And um, what they're doing here is they are collecting very much needed supplies that Catholic Charities of Venice is providing to them. As our listeners may have heard, here in the Diocese of St. Petersburg, specifically at Pinellas Hope, uh, Tampa Hope, at some of our Catholic Charities office locations, generous donors have been stopping by, dropping off goods to transport down to the Fort Myers area. So you are located at Catholic Charities Fort Myers, is that correct? Yes, we're here at Catholic Charities Fort Myers. There's a location here that is very near to Fort Myers Beach and also Caloosahatchee River. Approximately how many vehicles, how much did you take down, and what were some of the items that you took? Like you said, through the generosity of the people from the Diocese of St. Petersburg, they were able to fill up a big box truck full of items, a regular pickup truck, and a van. And so they caravan down here with all of those items that were delivered. We're talking anything from brooms, hand tools, to cleaning supplies, diapers, water, all of that was packed into this truck. And, and you know, the, the call went out from our diocese that there was emergency drive at the request of the diocese, the Catholic Charities Diocese of Venice, and that they needed these items. And so we were able to fill up these vehicles and drive down here. And I can tell you that from the moment that we got here, Within 10 minutes, this, these vehicles were being unpacked and things were being put on tables. And it was, it was very quick that I realized what great of a need they have here. Because from the moment that that door opened in that box truck to getting the things out, put on a table, right away they were being loaded into the vehicles of the people who were waiting. People of all ages, I would imagine. All ages, you have cars pulling through. I talked to a young mother who had a seven-month-old. They were in Fort Myers. They rode out the storm. It was very, very scary for them. Thankfully, they made it through the storm okay. Minimal damage, but of course, they were without power, and the water is not usable here. It's still brown, she said, in her home. And she had her baby in the car, and she was here to collect diapers and baby supplies. She doesn't have a job right now because the place where she works, not, she's not able to go there anymore and work. And, you know, she still has her baby in her. They still have these needs. And she was so thankful that she was able to come here and receive some of those supplies. Now, you're returning to the Bay Area today, I understand, but some of the volunteers are staying down there. Where do volunteers stay when they stay overnight? Do they uh, camp out at the facility or do they, I would imagine most of the hotels are full. It sounds like most of the hotels are full. I can tell you that on the drive down here, we encountered really heavy traffic. A trip that would normally take two and a half hours took four hours. 
and you would see a lot of vans, a lot of different box trucks, a lot of different vehicles um, that you can tell there were workers, you know, uh, plumbers, electricians, things like that. So definitely uh, the locations around here, hotels are full, but driving in, you see a lot of RVs that are being parked on the side of the road, really. There's not an exact location for them to be at. As far as where the volunteers are staying, I'm not exactly sure where they're staying. I know they're going to be put up somewhere because they're definitely needed. The need is still great. I mean, you're witnessing it. You know, it took them 20 minutes or so to empty that truck and uh, all the items were gone and there's still a line of cars. That We're still doing ongoing collections here in our diocese. Do you know when the next delivery might be? The hope is that the deliveries will continue weekly or bi-weekly until the emergency drive is ended, until the need is ended. Uh, But the hope right now is that deliveries will continue. The same thing that happened today, these trucks and these vehicles will be loaded up with all the donations and they will be brought down here and right away given out to those in need. I'm talking with Katie Camario from the Diocese of St. Petersburg Communication Office uh, down in Fort Myers. Katie, one last question personally for you. What's been your biggest surprise in the in the couple of hours you've been down there that you've seen you know john i just it's amazing to see the community come together i talked to a a gentleman one of the volunteers from tampa hope and he was telling me that when katrina hit he was um one of the victims of that storm and his livelihood was upended and he said when he heard about the opportunity to come here and be part of this relief effort and on the other end um that he just jumped at the chance So just seeing how people are moved to help is great. And also just seeing that folks are getting what they need because of our community pitching together. It is just really amazing to see. Have you seen any progress being made in construction or at least clearing roads and debris and such? The roads are pretty clear. There's not a lot of debris that I can see. There's a lot of downed and broken trees. We haven't driven around much. We just came straight here, but just coming down the highway on the way here, definitely a lot of trees, but thankfully it seems like they are making headway and getting the debris cleared. Good. Well, if you would like to make a donation to Catholic Charities, visit ccdosp.org. You can make a cash donation there or you can drop by one of the locations to drop off uh, goods to the people of Catholic Charities to help those in need down in the Fort Myers area. Also, you can go to dosp.org to uh, make a monetary gift to the diocese. Bishop Parks will be cutting a check to help those in need in South Florida. Katie Camario, thank you for joining us today. You bet. Thanks, John. Next, we'll hear two conversations I recorded while at Bethany Center for our priest convocation. The first is a conversation I had with Father Chuck Dornquist on the state of vocations in our diocese. Also, we'll have a conversation with Father Zavi Castro on the scouting program in our diocese. But first, here's that conversation with Father Chuck Dornquist recorded last week at the convocation. Joined this morning by Father Chuck Dornquist, the Director of Vocations for our Diocese of St. Petersburg. Good morning, Father. Good morning, John. How are you? All right, and it's a great uh, morning, first full day of the convocation. And it's pretty. Father Chuck, as I mentioned, you're the Director of Vocations. Uh, You were at the Women's Conference here a couple of weeks ago, and you made a stark statement Mm. that we're going to have an ordination this year. Praise God. Yep. But things might be a little dry. What's going on? 
Yeah, so uh, this year we're going to be happily ordaining Deacon Christian Galvan to the Presbyterate, so we'll have that ordination in May. But following Deacon Christian's ordination, we're going to be at least four years without an ordination. Four years. Four years. So, and that's even on the other side of that. Those guys who are in seminary are still discerning, and then we're still discerning with them. And so there's the chance that it's even more years that we go without an ordination. It's the problem of... It takes so many years for seminary formation. It's not a problem. It's the reality that it takes nine years. And so there's not like a plug that I can just bring in right now and say, oh, we've got to need a gap filler. We've got a couple years in which just the reality is our diocese has lost several seminarians or maybe didn't have as many in the past. And so we're going to be in that gap for a couple of years, which is, it's a scary spot. It's a sad spot. Praise God on the other side of those four years. We have 13 men currently in seminary formation doing very well, receiving incredible formation from their time at St. Joseph Seminary in Louisiana and at St. Vincent de Paul in Boynton Beach. So once we get through this doldrum, so to speak, we'll be seeing a lot of good again. However, this four-year gap is something that in many other dioceses, when they've experienced two or three years, It's been a revitalization and a reminding of how important vocations work is. I think at times we can allow vocations work to get put on a back burner and be shuffled away into something that's not as significant because, well, vocations just tend to come. Chuck Dornquist is doing a great job there in the vocations office. He'll take care of it. When we're going to be four years without an ordination, that's going to bring it to the forefront that we don't have enough priests. Does that put pressure on you? There's always pressure on me. That's something I talk about a lot, just as like a personal thought. The future priesthood of the Diocese of St. Petersburg comes through me. That's my responsibility. That's my work. That's my job of connecting and engaging with people. Now, we can say, of course, it's bishop's office, and it's the priests of our diocese. But my office is the one that works through that. So there is that weight upon me, which if I begin to focus on the numbers, if I begin to focus on that reality, that's like trying to squat 1,200 pounds, and that's a lot of weight. Mm -hmm. But when I focus on Jesus and his desire to provide for his people and his desire to provide for the people of the Diocese of St. Petersburg, and when I become one with his will and that love which he has for us, gosh, the weight moves so much easier. What can people do in the parishes? In the parishes. So we're really working hard in the next two years, this year and next, to revitalize parish vocation enrichment teams or parish vocation committees. Uh, So that way there are lay people in the parishes, moms, dads, altar server coordinators, sacristans, deacons, whoever the volunteer is, that's actively promoting vocations by having prayer cards, by doing dinners for the altar servers, by thanking the priests and publicly showing affection for priests and clergy in the parish. These small little things that when you're a kid and you look at that dynamic, it sticks out. It becomes a moment in which they might be able to perceive a call. Uh, So that's what we're asking for people in the parish, is to consider being involved in or creating, if your parish doesn't have one, a parish vocation enrichment team. Uh, We have information on that on the dospvocations.org, our website, for anyone who's interested in looking to do that. Step two, so that's creating like a culture of it. Step two is that if you know of a young man who should be considering priesthood because he's good and healthy and normal, because he loves the Lord, because he spends time in prayer, uh, because there's something about him, then affirm that in him. Tell it to him. 
make sure that he knows and hears from you that you see this reality. And the same thing for young women discerning religious life. Do not be afraid to affirm that you see that quality of a call in them. You know, I think it's important, and because of the role I'm in, there's been a couple of occasions where I've had clergy over to the house. And part of that was, A, to be friendly and engaging, but also to have my kids involved to see, hey, these guys are normal. They're just like everyday guys. They'll sit down and play video games with us, uh, have dinner, and talk about real, you know, talk sports and and talk about life issues. That's important, I think, and and I think that's one way that people in the pew— if the priest pastor's open to it, to invite him over for dinner. Absolutely. I remember when I was a kid, I saw the way my dad reacted to Father Jacob Monteleone and that the two would sit down, they'd have a beer together, they'd talk, they'd laugh. And I said, wow, if my dad thinks this highly of this man, then that, that's, that says something to me. And so I think when you do have the priests over, when they are invited into the home, that's a marvelous opportunity for kids to see that this man is someone who's worthy of respect and admiration. So I was actually at an event recently, and a very good, devout person comes up and shares that they desire to have one of their kids become a priest, and then one of their kids to go into the military, so covering service. And I'm like, oh, that's beautiful, that's wonderful. And then the next thing they say is that they want their third kid to be successful, to be able to care for the family. And I thought, what an interesting comment that being a priest isn't a successful life. Mm. So interesting. And so I think uh, what I'd love to see also is that we have a change of mindset, that being a priest is a remarkably successful life, that what our priests do is extraordinary day in and day out. The weight on our priests, the work that they do, the type of work, the quality of it, it's extraordinary. How long have you been a priest now? Seven years. Did you think this kind of position you're in now or just being a priest in general seven years later i mean did you did you envision this no <laughs> what were you thinking well, i mean were you thinking i'll be in a parish i'll be doing baptisms and the sacraments and so forth yeah so i grew up in zephyr hills my idea for me was a small country parish up in the stick somewhere that's that's where i'm from it's what i love mm-hmm. There's a lot of responsibility in that area when you're in that country parish, but there's not a lot of responsibility in the diocese, not a lot of roles nationally. You're not just about numbers. You're about quality. Quality is really the number one. How do you spot quality? What's a good quality? Gosh. Uh, So I'm looking for, ultimately, like the way it happens is like a dog whistle, uh, how it's only heard by a dog type thing. With vocations, it's when I hear someone's story. It's hearing this, like it's hearing the call, it's hearing the presence of the Holy Spirit, it's being attentive to what the Lord's doing in the presence of this person, and then walking forward with it. Now I'm looking for someone who seems well-adjusted, someone who's positive, someone who's prayerful and faithful and going to Mass, someone who's, who's leading a life of holiness already, someone who's taking steps, who's involved in community, who's involved in their parish and youth ministry. All those different elements are things that I'm looking for. It doesn't mean that everything has to be there uh, because people grow and can grow into it. What's amazing is that people are experiencing calls to the priesthood without having basic catechesis. Mm. People are experiencing calls to the priesthood while still dealing with significant moral issues. Uh, What the Lord is doing is still trying to provide for us. And then now the church is working harder to catechize and to help people grow in virtue 
so that they can respond to that calling which they've received. Now, we don't do moral stuff. We don't do the catechism, basic stuff uh, while they're in seminary. We do that well before they go into seminary so that we can see that they make the decision. Mm -hmm. But if someone's especially growing in holiness, they desire to be in virtue, they're in their youth ministry, they love giving talks, or uh, they feel special when they're serving other people, and those are the type of men that we're looking for for priesthood and similar for religious life. Website? D-O-S-P-Vocations.org. D-O-S-P-Vocations.org. Father Chuck, always good to visit, and I look forward to talking with you more about the state of vocations Thanks, here in our John. diocese. I look forward to coming over for dinner. All right. That sounds good. You're listening to How We See It, a look at issues and ministries that are having an impact in our community and world. If you missed any of today's program, you'll find a copy on Spirit FM SoundCloud page. There's a link to it at myspiritfm.com. Now, back to our program. In this segment, we'll hear an interview I did with Father Zavi Castro on scouting in the Bay Area and how your purchase of popcorn, cookies, and more can help the kids in their program. Here's that conversation. We are broadcasting from the Bethany Center here in Lutz, Florida at the annual convocation, and I've got the great privilege to talk with Father Zavi Castro, who is the new parochial vicar yes. at St. Lawrence Catholic Church, a move from the chaplain at Tampa Catholic. How's that move been going? It's been going well. Officially, it's December 10th I make the shift, so we're still trying to figure out all the kinks and works, but it's been a blessing, honestly. And I'm excited to go to work with Monsignor Moore. So. Are you still working at Tampa Catholic? Uh, yes. They're at least keeping you there through football season. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that big Jesuit. That's right. Jesuit Tampa, Tampa Catholic. Catholic. So scouting, you're involved with the scouting program here in the Diocese of St. Petersburg from a spiritual level and, and maybe even a little bit more so. Talk about your relationship with the scouting program here in the diocese. Yeah, so I am currently the chaplain for, for scouts in the diocese. So that includes both Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, American Heritage Girls, like all these scouting groups that are out in our diocese. And that participate within our parishes. So how and why do scouting programs in general get involved with our parishes? Well, so each one does it in a different way. Um, but the usual that I've, that I've seen, particularly with the larger groups, it is the BSA scouts. The reason they just change it because now they take in girls as well. They're actually supported by the parish. While Girl Scouts, girls that are in that group of Girl Scouts, they're not necessarily supported by the parish, but they may be in your parishes still. It's just their group meets elsewhere. And so we have different American Heritage Girls, which is also supported by a parish. So there's different groups throughout the diocese like of scouting that participate in that level. What age groups are we talking about? Because I've seen them at Christ the King. Yeah. As young as they're, they're <laughs> the, the girls uh, look like they're no more than 40 years old. Yeah. Uh, as, I don't know what they call them. The Cub Scouts. Yeah. Well, Usually these are little girls. These are, these are not, uh, not brownies, daisies or something. Daisies, something like that. I think yeah. it is. So each group has its own structure, uh, structure and yeah. titles for, for each level. But I'll tell you this, they'll sell popcorn and they'll sell cookies. <laughs> yes, they do. And That's, pretty darn good cookies. <laughs> yeah, and, and those are big fundraisers for each one of these groups as well. Yeah, it is. It's, it's a way to support themselves right. and the groups and to be able to continue to do the work that they do. How does spirituality tie into the scouting programs? Well, and that's part of 
the role that I have with the committee that I have for both the girls in scouting and boys in scouting. Our role is to help them to encounter Christ. Because one of the things in scout law that we focus on is reverence. So a scout must always be reverent. And all scouting has that. And so one of the things that we help them out with is that encounter with Christ and how to continue in growing in that reverence for God, which then leads to a reverence of our neighbor, which is why they do so many uh, social projects to help out in the community. Community service projects, yes. You know, when I was a kid growing up, I was involved with with Cub Scouts for a couple of years, and we would just meet at the local church. There wasn't really a church relationship other than maybe the church was volunteering their, their building for our meetings. Yeah. But that relationship has evolved these days into a more of an active component so that you have like a scouting Sunday. Yeah, we have like scouting Sunday. We have different events too of like retreats as well as throughout the year, we'll plan for different activities and opportunities for religious medals. These medals that they do doing a particular thing with the faith, uh, focusing on learning about the faith and the practice of it. Does every parish have an affiliation with scouts or is it just certain ones? So right now it's just certain ones. Okay. Like I can name a couple of parishes. The, I know the bigger parishes tend to have them already. Like whether it was Christ the King to St. Lawrence to Nativity to St. Stephen's has a huge troop for scouts. Okay. And for the girls in scouting, there are a lot of them, but they're usually more spread out because they don't tend to meet at the parishes. They tend to meet elsewhere. Okay. However, they're, still part of a parish like i know some of them who go to saint mark's a group of them so it varies between the both of the groups however they're they're not as many as one would think okay do you have a number off the top of your head of how many scouts are affiliated with the uh, parishes with the parishes oh i i'd say at least around 20 parishes easily okay and each group would have at least 10, uh, 10 participants anyway. 10 to like 40 or 50 sometimes okay. and what's interesting is not all of them are catholic so it becomes a good evangelizing point as well i see uh, for the non-catholics you know we heard all this news five six years ago about girls wanting to become cub scouts because some of the girls didn't necessarily want to do traditional girl things mm-hmm. they wanted to get more into the pinewood derby yeah and and those kind of things that the girls don't do and vice versa I know there's a lot of controversy, or had been. How has that evolved, and and how is it working out? So for us, we haven't seen as much of the issue with this controversy. Thanks be to God, at least with the troops that I've been involved with. Really, the the groups have evolved with this mentality of, no, there's Boy Scouts and there's Girl Scouts, and, and like we do this and they do that. And you'll see a mixing here and there. Particularly now with the scouts, since they they allow girls now in. Um, Are we talking when you say scouts, Boy Scouts, Cub Scouts, Boy Scouts, BSA Boy Scouts. Okay. Um, but now they they change it to BSA Scouts, so that the girls are allowed to to join it okay. rather than just the Girl Scouts. Now, do they do they the ones that we have in our diocese? Do they meet as a group or? All right, the guys are going to go here and the girls are going to go here and they'll, they'll have their own separate meetings. Correct. So they'll meet as a large group in the beginning for opening prayer and pledge and all. And then afterwards, they'll separate into their own troops. So they, the, there's a girls troop and then there's a boys troop and then they do their own thing. As that mm-hmm. evolves, does one group, Girl Scouts of America or Boy Scouts of America, does one group feel threatened that maybe it will dissolve because eventually one might migrate over? One can see that 
uh, between the entities themselves. But within our scouting group, we are not so much focused on it because for us, it's, our goal is to help evangelize and to provide that encounter with Christ. So we haven't seen that issue for our troops, particularly, I mean, like there has been a little bit of a tension, but I, I see that tension more in the entity level of like separate from the church aspect. The, higher, the hierarchy of the administrative side. Exactly. Yeah. You mentioned retreats. Yeah. The retreats are a little bit different than what, what I would traditionally know as a jamboree. Yes. How are they different? Well, so with a jamboree, they have a particular focus on other aspects of scouting, particularly like getting the badges and, and learning new skills. And, and it's a lot of fun, but their, their focus is plainly more of these aspects of works like with the badges. While the retreats... Again, here our focus is to help them encounter Christ. So we teach them more about the faith. It becomes more faith-oriented. It's a fun weekend. For example, we have the scout retreat coming up October 16th now. And in the scout retreat, we'll have different opportunities for both confession with mass as well as adoration. And we'll teach them about those, those sacraments too. And then within that, we have opportunities to continue to develop the faith in different ways. Um, with different activities, still having fun, having oh, yeah. games, all that good stuff. But it's a lot more faith-oriented. It's about helping them encounter Christ. Right. And, and in that opportunity, too, they get other badges, which are the religious ones, that are diocesan slash national badges that they're allowed to get. Scouting has evolved over the, the decades. I know that when my son was a scout, mm. I got involved a little more and got to know some of the dads yeah. in the Cub Scout group. And... Um, we even built our own cars for Pinewood Derby races for the <laughs> yeah. adults. Um, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> uh, do, do, you, do you find kids are so busy these days and parents, yeah. you know, frankly encourage that. They want them to get out of the house, but they're involved with all kinds of things. Do you find that the scouting brings the parents together and builds community? It does build community. That's without a doubt. Uh, that I have witnessed, both between the parents and the kids, as well as just families with families. They tend to be a very tight group if i put it that way because they they're there for each other they support each other and they help each other out in the midst of it all there's also a certain like-mindedness but also an openness in the midst of it all so in the wonderful families and you also mentioned uh going back to the retreats you've got a retreat coming up in april as well yeah so that one's the girls in scouting retreat so that's for all girls who are in scouting uh within our diocese april 1st it'll be a light of christ in in the clearwater area okay and It'll be a, a fun, that'll be a single day, but it'll be a fun day to just, actually the theme is femininity according to Mary and really encountering the strength of Mary and her wonderful femininity and the feminine genius behind it, okay. which is seeing John Paul II emphasize in one of his uh, letters. Sounds like one of our past women's conferences. Actually, yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, yeah. so full disclosure, you were not a scout growing up. No, and no. but Bishop said, "We Father Zavi, we're putting you as the chaplain for scouting, <laughs> yeah. uh, spiritual director." How's that worked out for you? And what have you learned and grown from? Well, throughout the past now three years and a half, four years, I, I've grown a lot in understanding number one the, the beauty of just like learning not just the basic stuff. Like you know, it's fun with like for example with scouts. I I look at because both do it like 
learning how to make a fire or camp or, or like the survival skills in that right. sense. And that, that stuff is fun. I fa- it's fascinating for me. But also just the connection of faith within that. It's this aspect of as we connect with nature and we learn how to, how to use a creative juice as a God has instilled in us, not just to manipulate, but to take care of and to help and grow in um, the love of nature. It helps us to encounter God in nature itself as well. And it's funny that today's the Feast of St. Francis of Assisi. Right, as we're recording um, him. And as we're recording, and um, uh, he's my patron saint. He's my confirmation saint. And it's this incredible encounter with God, even in nature and with one another. More so with one another, but definitely with nature. So it, it begins to really, if I can put it this way, bring that holiness aspect or, or, or the divine aspect that's within nature and within the encounter with the other out into the reality that we experience. Father Zavi, if someone wants to, you know, we're, we're in October, so the year's kind of started for scouting. If yeah. somebody wants to jump in in the middle of the year, can they do that? Yeah. Yes, they can. Okay. And there's a process for each troop. They'll do it uh, in a particular way, uh, or particularly each group of scouting will do it in a particular way. But yeah, you could jump in at any point. And if you want to start one with your parish and you want to start a scouting group, for example, the, the idea is to talk to your pastor. It's a great way to provide, in a certain way, youth ministry. A different outlook of youth ministry is not the same as like a youth group, but at the same time, it's still youth ministry for your own parish. And particularly if you already have boys and girls that are interested in this, it'd be a great way to bring Christ closer to them, have them encounter Christ, as well as help to learn new skills and really skills that will help them in the future. Well, Father Zavi Castro, I want to thank you for your time today. And uh, I, I pray for all of the scouts that they have a, uh, a blessed year. Thank you. God bless you guys. Thanks for listening to today's program. This presentation and others like it are made possible by supporters like you. If you'd like a copy of today's program, make comments or suggestions, and to help us keep this important programming on the air, visit myspiritfm.com slash how we see it.